Chapter 6. Brand Building at Different Life Stages. What to focus on when we're starting up and scaling up. So far, we've talked generally about brands and what makes them effective. But effective brand building differs in a few key ways, depending on the life stage of a business. If we're a startup, that is, we're about to launch or have recently launched an innovative new product, the role of brand is slightly different than if we're a scale-up. That is, we've found product market fit and early success, and we're in the process of scaling up to build a business with multi-million dollar sales. It's different again if we're a mature brand, that is, we're a big brand operating in a category that's no longer nascent and is well understood and developed in the marketplace. The context is different, the challenges are different, and what works is different. Understanding and responding to these differences is critical, and so let's look at those differences and the most effective strategies for each. Startup brands. When we're brand new and starting out, we have zero or extremely low brand awareness. Barely anyone knows about us. The product we've developed is usually highly innovative. We've cleverly found a new solution to a problem others aren't solving or aren't solving well. This means we have very high product differentiation. That is, there's no one else offering what we offer. We're in a beautiful honeymoon period of having no direct competition. Unfortunately, it also means that we have very low product understanding. Our product is foreign, unfamiliar, and often difficult to immediately understand by our potential customers. These conditions mean that there are several things that are critical for the brand to do. Our brand should be product-centric. That is, it's very focused on introducing our product to a customer target who have never heard of anything like it. Firstly, it's important to focus on a tight early adopter target customer. We're not trying to sell to everyone just yet. Our job is to make early sales to a group of people who most keenly feel the problem we're solving and who are most likely to accept our solution. Secondly, the role of the brand is to make a great first impression, to present the product and company in a way that they can clearly understand it and begin to like and trust it. Critical to achieving this is making it super clear what our product is and does. This is about focusing marketing communications on the what, what our product is and does. Finding the quickest possible way to explain what we've created so that anyone can understand it which means using simple language, language that anyone would understand without any prior knowledge. That means no jargon, no technical language, just saying it straight, like you would to a child, a taxi driver, or your grandmother. Simplicity is king. We have a few moments to put a foot in the door, and that's it. One of the biggest mistakes we see startups making is presenting a visual identity, personality, and messaging that don't line up in a cohesive way. A message that's about making things simple and easy, with a personality and language that feel heavy and complicated, and a visual identity that looks corporate and stern. This lack of cohesion is a red flag to customers. You're saying one thing, but acting in a way that undermines your message, which people find impossible to trust and go along with, which immediately removes your foot from their door. One of our venture portfolio companies is Compostic. They created the world's first fully home compostable, Cling Wrap, a bioplastic film that works as well as traditional plastic wrap, but which breaks down in a home compost in 12 weeks. 
They're now in major supermarkets across New Zealand and Australia and doing a roaring trade globally on Amazon. The headline message we began with was brutally simple. 100% home compostable cling wrap. The packaging is brown cardboard which signals natural, unprocessed, recycled and recyclable. The visual identity is simple and green. The personality is fun and charming with lines like I'm clingy but I won't overstay my welcome. When we created our first wholly owned venture, Toothcrush, we were the first toothbrush subscription service in this part of the world. We grew into Australasia's largest oral care subscription before exiting three years after we launched. And we started super simple. A fresh toothbrush delivered to your mouth every month. Unlike boring supermarket toothbrush brands, our brand was bold and aspirational and put a focus on beautiful, sustainable design rather than ultra-rational plaque-controlling features and ugly, over-engineered plastic handles. For startups, developing a visual identity that's distinctive is critical. If you blend in with everything else out there, there's little chance of your brand capturing the attention of anyone. It's brutal, but important to remember that no one cares about you. They're not waiting for you to come along or searching you out. If you don't grab them, you're done. And at the beginning, your messaging should be malleable. You're trying different messages to find the ones that work, rather than fixating on one and stubbornly sticking with it. Predetermining what customers will respond to is impossible. Like Mike Tyson said, everyone has a plan until they get punched in the mouth. Unless you're extremely lucky, you're going to get punched in the mouth, so don't be slavishly tied to a plan. The costs of not getting it right are, one, the product proposition isn't clear and succinct enough to quickly cut through and be understood, and the audience switches off. Two, the brand's positioning, visual identity, personality, and messages don't hang together and tell one story, which leads to confusion and a loss of trust. Three, branding and messaging that's me, 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 making the company seem self-obsessed and like they don't get their customer. Scale-up brands. When we've achieved some early success and found product market fit, we usually still have relatively low brand awareness. Many potential customers know about us, but we still have a way to go to become widely known. The product we've developed by this stage is moderately innovative. There are often others circling around our space, or we're exploring offshore markets where comparative products exist. Together these things mean that there is some emergent understanding of our product and product category, some familiarity with what we and others make, meaning that it's easier to understand by potential customers. But we're through the honeymoon period of having no direct competition and into a space where we may need to justify our product's credentials and give reasons why we're a better choice. These conditions mean that there's a new set of things that are critical for the brand to do. Our brand needs to switch from being product-centric to value proposition-centric. That is, it's now focused on the unique benefits our product brings as opposed to simply what it is. It becomes more important to focus on a broader set of customers beyond those initial low-hanging fruit, a well that's beginning to dry up. Our job is to grow sales among an early majority group who need a little more nudging to bite down on our proposition. Here we begin to use brand as a competitive advantage, as opposed to simply standing out. We focus on becoming meaningful and distinctive among our competitive set. We update our visual identity and messaging to build on early learnings, and we use our personality to form a bond and create loyalty with customers. 
When we worked with Timely, who had enjoyed impressive early-stage growth, we overhauled their personality and visual identity to make them a beauty brand as opposed to a SaaS brand. This intentionally sought to form a closer bond with salon owners than the emerging competition whose brands still languished in the software space, when we knew salon-owning customers cared little about software and a lot about beauty. When scaling up, we formalize early learnings into a winning value proposition and use our brand to inspire trust in our quality and track record. This is about focusing marketing communications on the how, how our product is different and better. Timely became a community of beauty-obsessed SME owners who loved the difference Timely had made to their business. Timely was different and better because they really got beauty and beauty businesses. Scale-ups need to remain focused on how to explain their difference in a way anyone can understand it, which means continuing to use simple language and avoid jargon and overly technical language. And they need to become more consistent with messaging. Scale-ups have a better understanding of what messages work, and it's time to double down and scale these up. The costs of not getting it right are 1. Lack of unique value proposition leads to an unclear competitive value and an uncompetitive brand. 2. Lack of distinctive visual identity leads to a lack of salience in the category. 3. Poor quality design and execution leads people to believe the product or experience with you is also likely to be poor quality. Mature brands. Mature brands usually enjoy high brand awareness. Lots of people know about us and understanding of our product is more or less ubiquitous. But we now face the challenge of low product differentiation. Unless we've carved out a monopoly like Google or Airbnb, we're surrounded by many competitors offering products that, to the naked eye of most potential customers, are reasonably similar. This is the time when brand becomes our key differentiator. We move from being value proposition-centric to being emotional positioning-centric. That is, we acknowledge that there's a very limited blue ocean for any value proposition to stand out as massively unique, and need customers to choose us simply because they feel more emotionally close to us. They like us more, or they buy into our point of view or purpose more. We don't need to focus on the what, everyone knows what we do, or the how, there's constant competitive innovation copying how we're rationally different. We need to focus on the why. Why, beyond making a product and making money, do we do what we do? By this point, we've nailed down our messaging, visual identity and personality, and it's all about frequent and consistent repetition of our positioning and distinctive assets with constant reinvention of those core messages in creative and engaging ways. The costs of not getting it right are, one, lack of strong emotional engagement means that competitors can easily pry away our customers on the basis of rationally newer or superior features. Two, Lack of consistent presence means that competitors have greater mental availability and are therefore easier to buy. Three, lack of investment and greater competitor investment in marketing means our market share declines. Centricity isn't exclusivity. We've discussed why startups should be product-centric, scale-ups should be value proposition-centric, and mature brands should be emotional positioning-centric. However, this is not to say that startup brands shouldn't build an emotional connection, nor that mature brands no longer need to communicate a value proposition. In fact, brands at every stage should be clear about what they make, how it's better, and communicate it in a way that forges an emotional connection with their why. 
But in the early days, our centre of gravity is likely to need to be about our what. When we're scaling up, it should be about our how. And when we reach maturity, it should be our why. Brand building is constant gardening. No great brand was built overnight, nor is eternally safe from encroaching competition. Brand building is a constant effort to adapt to the changing life stage of the business, category, and competitive context, while staying true to what's at the heart of the brand, our core idea, the personality with which we deliver on it, and the distinctive assets we've developed that remind people of our brand. TLDR Chapter 6 Effective brand building differs in a few key ways depending on the life stage of a business. Startup brands, particularly those with novel and innovative products, should be product-centric and focus their messaging on what their product is and does. Scale-up brands should be value proposition-centric, focusing their messaging on how their offering is different to and better than others. Mature brands should be emotional positioning-centric, focusing their messaging on why they do what they do and building emotional closeness to their customers. These centres of gravity are not exclusive. All brands need a sense of their what, how and why and to communicate those things from time to time. But different stages mean we need to shift primary emphasis as we go.